0: All right, everybody, welcome back to the showcase. I'm your host, Paris Jackson. On today's episode, we're going over division winners MVP race. Got a couple of things to update and some things to look at very curiously in a couple divisions. So we're going to be taking an examining of that. I know it's March Madness right now and everybody's focusing on college, but we still got NBA basketball going on and stuff to talk about. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the showcase. (laughs) So I want to go ahead and just dive into these divisions. As you all know, we got six divisions in the NBA comprised of five teams each, three in the East, three in the West, and some of these are already locked up and we'll go ahead and talk about those. And some of these are still in contention, meaning that you can find some value here making a couple plays. After that, we'll kind of move on to what we're looking at from the MVP race, quick notes there, but starting off in the East. Let's go ahead and go with the division that is most locked up first just to get it kind of out of the way and honestly follow my sword a little bit. So the Southeast Division, that's the division that makes up Miami, Charlotte, Atlanta, Washington, and Orlando is pretty much locked up. You got the Heat comfortably in the lead by 11 games at this point in the season. So there's a 0% chance that they miss here. I mean, they are looking to probably clinch the division when they play the Thunder in their next game. And uh, Actually, today is a great day to record a podcast because there was only one game going on in the NBA, and that was the Pistons versus the Magic, two teams that are non-consequential. Every other team got a day off as we start and kick off March Madness. Today was absolute lunacy. There was good games all around, overtime, Kentucky getting knocked off. Man, I love March Madness. There's something about you know the appeal of making a bracket, competing with some of your friends and coworkers about who can, you know, make the best picks based on chance and analytics and just having the brackets the games that pop off every half an hour and you couple that with the clocks changing and now your days are longer when you're getting off work it's not pitch black dark you actually feel like you have some day left even though you're waking up in the dark now it's just a beautiful time of year you feel that weather changing starting to go from or at least in california uh not as cold to somewhat warm, whereas in other parts of the country, you're, you're moving from cold to full on warm. Uh, but in the NBA, it was a nice day to get a break, you know, kind of catch up and look at things as we get into this final about a month left of the season. Season ends on April 10th, and then you'll have the playing game coming in correctly after that. But back to these divisions. So the Heat have got this thing locked up. They play the Thunder next. The Thunder haven't been a great team. I imagine the Heat go ahead and win clinch the division, and then we shut the book on the Southeast Division. Now, you still have Charlotte and Atlanta vying for, you know, some seeding position. Washington's kind of mailed it in. This division, though, man, I took a flyer on the Hawks at plus 400. I really thought they were going to pull through there, and uh, they just started off the year absolutely terrible. They're hovering around a 500 team here, really been struggling on the road. And then you have Washington, who started off the best start that they've had in whatever franchise history, 10 and three. Then you had Bradley Beal go down a ton of other injuries and you know, the Kuzma led team, even with the bringing in Christoph Porzingis is not enough to really, you know, seal up the divisions. You also have the Hornets and LaMelo ball kind of regressing to the mean as teams start to take them a bit more seriously. And in so, you get in this position where Miami, they, you know, are probably going to go ahead and cash the over for their season total wins. They're in prime position to keep a hold of this number one seed in the Eastern Conference and in so clinch the division tomorrow, Um, uh, you know, when they play the Thunder. And then if it's not that game, it'll be a couple of games later or a couple of days later on their next opponent. We're going to flip flop here because we got a similar situation in the Pacific division in the West, you know, comprised of Phoenix, Golden State, the two L.A. teams and Sacramento. And honestly, you know, with Kawhi Leonard being out and the Kings just being the dumpster fire that they are on a year to year basis, we could pretty much rule out the Clippers and the Kings from the get go. So, it really came down at the beginning of the season to the Lakers, Warriors, and Suns. Now, the Warriors had a bunch of question marks about, you know, when is Clay coming back, James Wiseman coming back, what is that team going to look like? You know, and we got some glimpses of it here and there. You know, the big three were of uh, Clay, Dre, and Steph were together for all of one game before Steph, you know, ha- got rolled into by Marcus Smart, and he's looking to miss some time right now. So Golden State fans like myself are going to have to wait for that Holy Trinity to uh, take the court again. Phoenix is picking up exactly where they left off last season and the season prof- per Prior. I mean, you know, I've said this a few times, but the way that the Phoenix Suns kind of flipped the switch after bringing in Monty Williams and then how they played in the bubble going 8-0, they are not the team they were pre-pandemic. Like this pandemic Suns is been phenomenal, you know, um, 8-0 in the bubble. The following year they make the finals. This year they're in pole position and have the best odds currently to go ahead and win the championship. And we'll talk about championship winners here at the end here. But, you know, they are a little bit further than the Heat from officially clinching the division. Um, which also means my Warriors plus four hundred bet to clinch the division is gonna be a dud as they're currently nine games back. But, you know, the Warriors and the Lakers really struggled, you know, this year to get a bunch of wins. I'm not going to talk about the Lakers this time. Um, Enough has been said about them. Hopefully, LeBron can win in the scoring scoring title to keep his ego in check for the year. But, you know, the Warriors struggled with injuries and a bunch of close games. And Phoenix hasn't had any of those struggles despite having some players miss some time and miss some games. I mean, Chris Paul's been out essentially since the All-Star break. And they are 7-3 in their last 10. Um which is really good, you know, they don't lose very often. And, you know, I would be curious if they are in a position to chase down 60 wins and be one of the only teams this year to achieve that metric of 60 wins. And and so the Pacific division is locked up. So those two divisions, the Southeast and the Pacific are both Off the table when it comes to the betting, like the there is no opportunity for you to place any bets, even super super long shot bets, and the books know it because they're just so out of reach. You'll you'll look to see both the Heat and the Suns go ahead and clinch their divisions this week. um, You know, as they take on some lesser opponents, and their strength of schedule isn't that hard. So you know, with the division clinched and a playoff. Seeding basically guaranteed you'll you'll continue to see them vie to have home court advantage through the playoffs, but it's going to be the Suns uh, because they're about 10 wins ahead of the heat right now who have the second, you know, um you know, the first seed in the East, but second overall record here in the NBA. Uh, actually, it's third behind Golden State. Um, So that takes care of those two divisions. Then the next two that I'm going to get to here are a little bit more in line with the first two in that the winner is pretty much decided though there is some opportunity for some long shot plays that the books will still allow so moving back to the east we have the central division which is comprised of milwaukee chicago cleveland indiana and detroit right detroit they are officially out of playoff contentions they are eliminated so the only thing they can do is improve their draft position by completing being terrible uh pacers are still in the hunt for a play-in, but with the rebuild that they got going on i doubt they'll make it so the three teams you can bet on to win the division are cleveland at plus 2500 the bulls at plus 750 and the bucks at minus 1200 right so bucks being minus 1200 that tells you pretty much all you need to know about where the books think this is gonna end up. That being said, the Bulls are only two and a half games behind the Bucks at this juncture, so it's very possible that the Bucks slide and the Bulls can go ahead and take Cleveland. You're a little bit too far out at four and a half games behind to really be considered a um, you know a threat to win the division. Plus, according to Tankathon.com. You guys have, Cleveland has the 23rd toughest schedule uh, on the way out um, in here. So that is actually a bonus for Cleveland, given that they don't have to play a bunch of tough teams. I mean, they play the Magic twice, Detroit, Knicks, Lakers, and Hawks for half of their games. But the other half of their games are against division, rivals, Bucks, and Bulls. And then the Mavs, the Sixers, the Nuggets, and the Raptors who are all vying for playoff seeding and will not be taking any of those games off. So at 13 games left, Cleveland, while you do have an easy schedule for half, the other half is really tough with the opponents and a lot of teams are in a similar position. Now, on the flip side, Chicago actually has the toughest schedule, according to Tankathon, left with their 13 games. As far as their easiest opponents, they play the Pelicans, who have been scrappy since the McCollum trade. The Knicks and the Wizards, who are Eastern Conference on the fringe team, hoping to make the plan. Maybe not so much the Wizards, but definitely the Knicks. And then they play division rival Bucks twice. They play the Celtics the Timberwolves, who have been red hot, the Raptors, who are scrappy and don't go down easy, and then the number one seeds in the East and the West, Suns and Heat. So Chicago has a really, really tough stretch here, and so in a way Milwaukee does too. But with all the injuries and the players out, and and, and Chicago and its players regressing to the average of its you know pieces, it's gonna be tough for Chicago to overcome the eight opponents. That they see here uh, out of the 13 that are really, really tough, even though Milwaukee has a very similar kind of gambit to go through. I mean, Milwaukee has 12 games left where they play the Grizz, the Mavs, the Sixers, the Celtics, the Bulls twice, as I just mentioned, and the Timberwolves. And their only easy games really are the Pistons and the Wizards out of their remaining 12. Um so you could see, depending on how, you know, the seeding shakes out and, and who in what spot is really going for it here at, at this last, you know, 5% of the uh, or 10% of the season, who's really going for it. Um, you could see Milwaukee slide, but at the same time, this is where teams really want to get it right and go ahead and um, lock it in and dial it in. So, you know, the Bucks are going to be playing hard. The Bulls are going to be playing hard. I wouldn't advise betting in this division, uh, on the Bulls or definitely not the Calves. Um, but you know, if you want a long shot and you want to root for Zach Levine and Demar Derozan, you know, at seven and a half to one odds, um, to win the division, who knows, man? Who knows if they're really gonna do it? I wouldn't do it, but it's definitely, definitely possible and on the table for you. Um similar situation though it's a little bit closer in the northwest division going back to the western conference and that's comprised of Utah, Denver, Minnesota, Portland and Oklahoma City. So Oklahoma City is on the fringe of being eliminated even from the play-in game. So not much to talk about there, but uh you know, Portland is in a position where if they were trying to win games, they could knock The either the Pelicans or the Lakers out of the plans. The Spurs are in a similar position too. You you wouldn't think that they would be trying to do this, but between the Lakers in the ninth seed and the Blazers in the twelfth seed, they're only separated by two and a half games. So you know, a win for one team and a loss for another really closes that gap, and we'd like to see you know maybe Coach Pop. And the Pelicans really try and make a playoff push and push the Lakers out. And Portland could be part of that, too. You know, they got a lot of young pieces that are still trying to prove themselves. And Inso, you know, could end up in the play-in, though they don't have much to play for. And they definitely aren't in striking distance of winning the division. Now, if we look at Utah, Denver, and Minnesota, as far as the rest of, of the season goes out of the 3 Denver has the easiest schedule at 11th on tankathon. Even they got some tough opponents left too, right? They play the Suns, the Grizzlies, the Celtics, the division rival Timberwolves, the Cavs and the Clippers. But they also have some easy games in the Thunder, the Pacers, the Spurs and they do get the advantage of playing the Lakers twice who thanks to the bubble they have a little bit of revenge to get against them if the denver nuggets are able to lock block the lakers from even getting in the play in game that'd be sweet revenge and denver is also fighting to not have to play a play in game at sixth here so they got a lot of motivation they got an mvp candidate um you know potential front runner in in Jokic, they got 12 games left denver is currently plus 300 and only a game and a half back from utah to win the division so at plus 300 i mean you're getting three to one odds you could take a flyer on denver and uh you know hope that the utah jazz continue to slide it would also be a healthy hedge if you did take utah over their season total for wins um, because right now they're sitting at 43 and 26 they'd have to go 11 and 3 to kind of hit that so if you want to hedge against that and bet on Denver to win the division that could be a nice hedge in the event that Utah slides and Utah has the second toughest out of these three teams uh schedule left with playing you know the suns the Grizzlies the Warriors the Mavs the Celtics and the Nets who, that's a tough go in, you know, six of your last 13 games. Now they also have got some easy games with the Thunder, the Blazers, the Knicks, and the Lakers. Man, the Lakers play a lot of these teams, at <laughs> this division, a lot. Uh, but even still, man, uh, Tankathon has Utah as the sixth toughest schedule. So, you know, with them, they'd have to split those six games against the tough teams, three and three, and then basically run the table Otherwise, against Utah, so very, very little room for error for the Jazz for them to hit their season total, and very little room for error with them against you know the Denver who Nuggets who are only a game and a half back, um, and could potentially be fighting for home court advantage at least in the first round if they're able to sneak up to that fourth seed as they currently are in the sixth, and Jazz are in the fourth. I don't think you know you'll you'll see any team out of these three break out of that bracket, the Jazz, the Mavs, and the Nuggets. We'll get to the Mavs in a second. Um, So it's really these three and maybe four teams with Minnesota vying for that fourth seed, potentially fifth seed, um, and definitely just trying to stay out of the play-in game, which brings us to the last team in the division, who's honestly the furthest from winning here at plus 4,000 and only 11 games left to do it in, um, 41 and 30 is a fantastic season for the Minnesota Timberwolves. They are one win away. Uh, so even if they go one and 10 and their remaining 11, they still have a winning season for the first time in I think 15 or 20 years. I mean, it's, it's a long time coming for Minnesota fans. So congratulations on the play of, you know, Carl Anthony towns, who had he been playing as he's been playing for the past week or so for the entire season would easily be in the MVP race, but it's just a little bit too late. For the Minnesota Timberwolves, who do in fact have the second toughest schedule according to Tankathon with only 11 games left. They play the Suns, the Bucks, the Mavs, the Nuggets, the Celtics, and the Bulls. Um, They also play the Rockets, Spurs, and Wizards, but nevertheless have a tough tough gambit with you know six out of those 11 teams being against some really really tough opponents. They actually play the Mavs twice. Um and the Mavs are, are vying for playoff position too, so that's going to be no cakewalk and you know Luka's really come into his own in these past few weeks. So, you know, the Jazz are minus 500. I would stay away from that, you know, you're kind of just betting 25 to win 5. It's not really worth it. Or 250 to win 50. So, I'd stay away from that. If you want to take a flyer on the Nuggets at plus 300, I'm not mad at it given that they do have the easiest schedule out of the three teams here in this Northwest Division and are only a game and a half back. Um, you know, there's still talk of them potentially getting Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. back this season. Um, though it's a little bit of a double-edged sword, right? You get the benefit of having the player, but you also have to figure out how to work them into the rotation and how to, um, you know, really make it work with the new piece, even though, you know, it's an old piece coming back. We saw the same exact thing happen with Clay. You know, it's taken him a few weeks to get his legs under him, and even still, he's not 100% back to the player he once was. So, um, you know, with that being said... You could take a flyer at Denver at 3-1 to odds. I already have a Jokic MVP bet, so it would be nice to pair the two. Um, But other than that, you know, I wouldn't take the T-Wolves plus 4,000. They got too tough of a schedule and too few games to really, you know, move up in the standings too far. Um, But the Jazz, they got some tough outs, and, uh, you know, it would be a nice hedge to take Denver once again. So that's just something to think about there as we move into – the last division, second to last division we're talking about here with the Atlantic division. Now, this one is the one that's probably most closely contested, and you really think that you have four teams in it, right? So you got Philly, Boston, Toronto, Brooklyn, and the New York Knicks. Knicks have been an abomination. They're pretty much out already. They're vying for playing seating at best um, with their you know, currently sitting at 12th, right, but they, and they're five games back of the 10th seed, so, you know, they'd really need to pull a rabbit out of the hat to get that, but, you know, there's next to no chance, so we could pretty much rule them out. The Raptors are currently sitting in the 7th seed in the East Um, at 39 and 30. They're doing better than expected for their team. Then you have Brooklyn at the eighth seed at 36 and 34, who have just been a little bit of a yo-yo team. You get the up and down play from Kevin Durant. They have Kyrie Irving, who's coming back and looking like an absolute god of basketball for the games that he does play. But then he turns around and can't play any home games. You know, that song and dance with whatever's going on with New York government as we come to the end of the mandate, Um, you know, restrictions, vaccine mandate restrictions and all that good stuff. Um, It's just tough. And they're a little bit too far out, so the books won't even let you bet on them to win the division. But then you have Boston and Philly, who are only separated by a game. They actually have the same amount of wins at 42. It's just Boston's played two more games and lost in them. So, Philly is 42-26, and 26, and Boston is 42-28. and 28. Now, in the last 10, Philly is 7-3, and three, and Boston is 8-2. and two. So, both teams have been playing pretty well, though it doesn't feel like Philly is playing well, right? Like I know, you know, they had some pretty horrendous losses. Um, you know, it's one to the Nets. They had the overtime super close game against the Magic. You know, people are loving James Harden in one second and then turning around and hating him in the next game. He's taking games off. They've already mentioned that Embiid and Harden both will get some rest here in the coming weeks as we ramp up to playoffs. Whereas Boston, on the other hand, has been on absolute fire since January and really the trade deadline where, you know, I praise the moves that they make, they made at the trade deadline and it's paying off for Boston. I mean, at the time of recording that episode of the trade deadline, Boston was in the play in game um, and they weren't even hosting and now have played themselves into, you know, hosting the first round of the playoffs. So very, very, really good play from them. Ime Yudoka has finally got a hold of this team and done well. So the Raptors, you know, they have the 18th toughest schedule here, but I just think they're a little bit too far out to be able to really take this one. I mean, three and a half games, you heard me talk about Cleveland at four and a half. The Raptors are in a similar position at three and a half games out. And so even at, you know, the odds that they are, um, they're not even listed to be honest. Um, plus 400 is my guess. If you were able to find it on a different book, maybe plus 700 similar to what the bulls odds are. Um, so it really comes down to either Philly or Boston. Now, if you want to bet on Philly, they're minus 200, but I would be hesitant, right? The reason I'd be hesitant is because what I mentioned before, right? Harden is, and Embiid both are still kind of working together. They did lose some pretty important pieces in the in the Ben Simmons trade, um, that also gave away Seth Curry, which was you know a better shooter than Danny Green. Danny Green's been in a bit of a slump this year, uh, but he does get red hot in the playoffs. But we're talking about winning the division here in the regular season, um, and Andre Drummond, who is another rim rim protector. Now, if Harden and Embiid decide that they don't want to take off too many games, then Philly is in a pretty good position and actually has the 13th toughest schedule opposed to Boston 7th, um, but they still play some pretty tough teams. They play the Suns, the Heat, the Bucks, the Mavs, the Raptors twice, which is a division rival, and the Cavs. They also play the Pistons twice, the Pacers twice, and the Lakers. So, you know, they'll probably win, you know, five of those games, but they do have a bit of a tough gauntlet with seven of their remaining games coming off of teams that are not in the plan. Now, Boston, on the other hand, Boston is that team that always felt like they got it. They got a little bit of their mojo back and have figured out their rotations. They've been playing very well. They're one of the top ranked defensive teams, you know, since the turn of the calendar year and since the All-Star break have been absolutely dismantling teams with multiple double digit wins. And for Boston, I mean, they play the Grizz, they play the Heat, who have, pretty much locked up the division. They played the Bucks, the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Bulls. And then they turn around and play the Thunder, the Pacers, the Kings, and the Wizards. None of this is in order, by the way. But with Boston having 12 games left, if they're able to win, I think like seven, seven and five, they're in a really, really good position. If Philly goes, you know, five and nine or, you know, six and eight in their last 14 or even if they go 500 at seven and seven you know seven and five Boston would in fact have the tiebreaker to go ahead and win the division so I'm willing to take a flyer at plus 150 on the Celtics to go ahead and win this division even with two games left given the rest factor for the Philadelphia 76ers given that they just don't look as clean and crisp as the Celtics have over the past few weeks and ultimately you know, Boston wants to hold on to that that first round hosting, um, you know, playoff home court advantage more so than I think Philly does. So, you know, Boston plus 150, Denver plus 300. I'm, I'm locking in those if I'm looking at division winners here as not super, super long shots because they're only a game and a game and a half back respectively. But I just don't trust the teams that are the front horse right now in the race to really hold on to the end here. Last division to talk about here before we take a break is the Grizz, right? The Grizzlies at the beginning of the season, I knew this team was going to be hot. This was one out of the three division winner bets I was willing to take at the beginning of the season for the value at plus 400. And they are currently minus 2,000 to win the division Uh, They have 12 games left, and really the only team that could dethrone them at this point would be the Mavericks, the Dallas Mavericks, who are four and a half games behind, 13 games left in the season at plus 800. Now, this is the one I will be watching most closely because I think both of these teams are... Interesting in their respective ways. The Grizz right now have the two seed. I couldn't tell you the last time the Grizzlies have finished this high in seeding uh, in a season in forever, right? Um, They've blown past their season total of 41.5. They're currently sitting at 48. They're going to be, you know, one of a very few 50 win teams here at the end. Um, And they have a fairly decent schedule left. I mean, they're eighth. Um, As far as schedule toughness goes with, you know, playing Phoenix, Golden State, Milwaukee, Utah, Denver, Boston, right? All teams that have played very well lately, you know, Golden State, they'll probably get away with a win there because of Steph and his injury. Um, you know, the Suns have locked things up, maybe they win that one as well, and then, you know, the other four out of the six tough teams, you know, that'll be some interesting basketball to watch, but they also play the Rockets, the Pacers, the Spurs, the Pelicans, and the Hawks. Now, the thing about those five teams that I just named, the Rockets, the Pacers, the Spurs, the Pelicans, and the Hawks, are they are all young run teams right memphis isn't going to just be able to be young and athletic to beat these teams because the other team is going to be able to match so it's going to be who's going to hit their shots during that game and who's going to be able to lock it down and if memphis out of these 12 games is able to come away you know eight and four then i don't think the mavs as close as they are really have an opportunity to catch up that being said the Mavs' schedule in these last 13 games is pretty easy. The only top-seeded teams that they play are the Bucks, the Jazz, and the Sixers. After that, every single team they play is either vying for play-in position or pretty much completely eliminated. So they play the Timberwolves twice. They play Cleveland, Charlotte, Houston, Detroit, uh, Portland, San Antonio, the Lakers, and Wizards, right? So... With that being said, if they're able to capitalize on the Bucks, Jazz and Sixers and maybe went go 1 and 2, then the rest of their schedule of their last, you know, 10 games gets really pretty easy for Dallas to win. It'd be great tune-up games. So honestly, even if they go 0 and 3 against the Bucks, Jazz and Sixers, they could still finish out the season 10 and 3. Uh, with their 13 remaining games, which would put them at 53 wins on the season. So, like I said, you really need Memphis to go about five and seven or six and six in their last um, in their last 12 here to hold on to that division. So, you know, it's highly likely that the Grizzlies will go at least you know six and six, given that they do play you know the Rockets, Pacers, Spurs. Pelicans and and Hawks even if they go four and one against them you know they beat the Warriors and then they just have to beat one of the Suns Bucks Jazz Nuggets or Celtics they only have to go one and four against them and take care of the rest of the games um, or two and three and then take care of the rest of the games so you know Memphis has doesn't have it super super tough but let's say they do go four and eight somehow because they mail it in for whatever reason um, you know, the Mavs at plus 800 is looking pretty sexy. Now the only counter to that. And the reason why I'm not pulling the trigger on that one in particular, even at plus 800, as much as it looks great to just have a plus 400 and a plus 800 and either way they win and we're all good is that the Memphis Grizzlies are young and looking to achieve what hasn't been done right last year. You know, Jaws' second year, they made the play-in. They won two play-in games to go ahead and, you know, and then stunned the Jazz in game one and then absolutely got gentlemen swept after that. The year before, they made the play-in game but lost to Portland. So every year they're trying to build on what they've done. And this year they have an opportunity to hang a division banner. It's not a championship banner. It's not a West Coast Conference winner, uh, Western Conference winner banner. But it is an opportunity to hang some type of banner, which is an accolade, this young team, team accolade that they want to do, right? Like, you know, a lot has been said about the Grizzlies and what they care about, you know, accolades on the individual level, specifically Ja Morant. But as a team, if they're able to clinch this division win, then they're going to go ahead and go for it. So as sexy as Mavs at plus 800 looks with as, as Luca, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie and this team has been playing lately. You know, if they go ten and three and the Mavs go, you know, five and seven and they end up equal, I think Memphis does have have the tiebreaker. But nevertheless, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies are just too motivated to take this. So that's all the divisions. And I know I went through that whole thing with no break, but I thought I was pretty thorough. So and the only things that I would take, right, we still have the Memphis Grizzlies plus four hundred bet that's going to hit most likely but you can take denver at plus 300 and the celtics at plus 150 for a little extra juice here as we come out to the end of the season because if at the very least they will be entertaining as heck as we round out these last you know 13 to 15 games Uh, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about mvp real quick (laughs) All right, so I gave these three players a while back uh, as far as MVP candidates, and at the time, Giannis was the front runner, I believe, at plus two seventy five, and then you had Jokic and Embiid shortly behind that, and I gave them out. I want to say what in December of this year, as we kind of rounded out the the calendar year. Let's double-check that real quick. When did I give this out? Mid-January. Okay. Um. So two months ago, I gave you these three. I gave you, you know, Giannis at plus 275. I gave you Jokic at plus 750. And I gave you Embiid at plus 1500 to win uh, MVP, which are f- pretty good. And now as we get to the end of the season here, I think you have Embiid falling off just a touch for MVP But at plus 1500, it's great. You have Giannis, who's even further out of the standings than that. And then you have Jokic, third. Now, I wanted to compare the three here in a similar fashion that I did two months ago to kind of show you where they've been at um, as far as, you know, what makes sense. So Jokic has the most games played out of the three, At 63 games, which is basically all the games minus a few, right? Giannis and Embiid are at 59 and 56 games respectively. So again, right? Missing a few games here um, could be what swings a lot of the people with votes on who's going to, who's going to basically come out of this MVP, right? Because you want to be available for your team, right? So... Denver has played seventy games, and Jokic has missed seven of them. Um, Philly has played sixty-nine games, and Embiid has missed sixteen of them. And Bucks have also played seventy games, and Giannis has missed eleven of them. Right. So Jokic right there has been the most available. Now, from a points-per-game standpoint, Jokic is the lowest with 26. Giannis is at 29.8. He's vying for that scoring title. And Joel Embiid is at 29.9, also vying for that scoring title. So to keep that in mind here as we kind of go through the rest of the stats because they are strikingly similar, right? Jokic rebounds, 13.8. Giannis rebounds, 11.5. Embiid, 11.5. Assists per game, Jokic at a high 8.1 Giannis at 5.8 and bead at 4.4 steals are all equal at one blocks are pretty much all equal at one uh Jokic is at one Giannis and Embiid are both at one and a half turnovers eerily similar at three now the difference here is going to be in the field goal percentage and bead is only at 49 percent whereas Jokic is at 57 percent probably a factor of the fact that he has so many more assists Three-point shooting, Giannis is the worst at 30%, where Jokic and Embiid are both hovering at about 36%, give or take half a percentage, right? So with everything else being equal, you can kind of look at any of these and make a case for them. Giannis quietly um, has pretty much the same numbers as Embiid, almost exactly, so it's a toss-up, right? So it's really who's bringing the value to the team and you want to look at probably the standings to say, Hey, this team or that team surprisingly though, the the narrative and the story around Embiid has, is more than likely enough has been built enough to go ahead and, and win him the MVP. But nevertheless, we still have these tickets open at plus 1500 for Embiid and, you know, Plus 275 for Giannis. We could almost double down here and take Giannis at plus 900. And if we do that, if we do that, right, we have essentially said we have, you know, Embiid current odds minus 150. You can bet on him if you want. If you hadn't bet back in January, Jokic is at plus 125, who's a little bit better, I think. You know, back to back MVPs for him wouldn't be surprising, um, so long as they can stay out of the play in game. And then Giannis, whose team has the best records out of the three, is at plus 900. So maybe him having a better team is going to work against him. But betting on Giannis at this point would take, you know, if you're a $6 better or $5 better, right, you would turn $24, assuming you bet $6, into 45 right? Because no matter what, you would, you would win something, right? Because, you know, assuming you bet the other three back in January, right? You take Giannis at plus 900, him and Embiid are at the same odds. And then you have Jokic at, at the odds that you do. So, that would give you 100% return on your money if you bet with me back in January and are in this current position right now. So I, the way I look at it is why not take Giannis at plus 900? He has better numbers than Embiid. He's played more games than Embiid. So I think if you were a person that cared about that type of stuff and had a vote, then you would vote for Giannis. Jokic, you might have you know some fatigue given that he won last year and not willing to cast a vote on him. So Giannis looks like the clear play for MVP. The thing that he doesn't have, unfortunately, is the narrative, right? Because the Bucks are coming off an Eastern Conference Championship. They are coming off a finals appearance. They are coming off, off a finals championship, right? Um, which means that the team itself is great. So records aside, you look at the individual performance, and Giannis has quietly had the best performance. And at plus 900, to couple it with the other bets that we already have, you know, would be just smart betting it would just be a hedge because it's going to come down to one of these three players now if it does happen to go another way I will be absolutely shocked you know but the most likely players according to you know the books here John Moran at plus 1800 DeMar DeRozan at plus 2800 Luka Doncic with the same odds as DeRozan Devin Booker at plus 8,000 Steph Curry at plus 8,000 Kevin Durant at plus 10,000 like these are long, 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 long shots, right? So the book is basically telling you it's going to be Embiid or Jokic. We just made the case against Embiid. And then Giannis at plus 900. So, you know, I think this just makes sense. I, th- I think Giannis is going to sneakily win the MVP, but I already have Embiid at plus 900 in my back pocket. So, you know, as far as if you're looking to bet right now, uh, and looking for the most value and you don't have any open MVP tickets, I would take a flyer on Jokic at plus 125 just because he has a bit of a better number even though his scoring isn't quite there. He's got the great story. He's missing the pieces with, you know, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. being out all year even though he has Aaron Gordon who's an all-star caliber talent even though he's probably never been an all-star maybe once or twice total. So if you don't have any open MVP tickets, you know, Jokic right now at plus 125 is probably where I would point you. Um, but if you did do what I did in January and take all three of these guys when the odds were a little bit different, then you can hedge with Giannis and know that you are in the best position possible. So that's why you got to roll with me. You know, I'm six for six and four on my season-long season totals bets, and the four aren't even all the way closed yet. That, could, that number could go up. Six of them have already hit one in three on the division winners but we're plus money in that because all three of them were plus 400 i gave you two more division winners today that are likely to hit uh and if even if they don't we're still ahead with from where we're at and then i'm giving you this mvp stuff right so the day-to-day betting that's the hard betting but this season total season outlook I am starting to master this. So if you didn't do it this year, pay attention next year because I'm giving out some golden tickets. Call me Willy Wonka, Pilly Ponka, Billy Bonka of the bets, boy. You know what I mean? That's some alliteration for your ass. All right. I'm getting too hyped on myself because I know this is going to turn into, you know, too much. So anyway, thank you as always for listening. Hopefully you guys made a lot of good picks. Oh, before I forget, uh, championship odds, right? Championships, um, you know, you got the suns right now at plus three eighty. I think that's looking like a, a pretty safe bet here. You could also take the bucks to repeat at plus six fifty. I'm gonna be doing a, a a better, longer episode on this, um, you know, in a couple weeks here when I come back. But if you wanna lock either of those two in, suns or bucks to repeat, um, you know, we already have the bucks to come out of the East ticket. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and just take the sun's championship, I think at plus three eighty, that's the odds are only going to go down from here. Um, I'm not going to do it quite yet. I'm going to wait to see, you know, injuries, things like that heading into the playoffs. Um, because this doesn't lock until April 9th is the last day to get the futures in. Now the odds will change a little bit as we get there. Um, but, uh, you know, it wouldn't be too bad against you to bet on the suns now. But, um, so And we'll do a whole episode on that in a couple of weeks. But thank you, as always, for listening. I really appreciate it. Make sure you like, subscribe, review at PJ Showcase on Twitter and Instagram. We're giving out basketball picks on a daily basis. We've got a month left of the season here um, where there's games every day. And then we move to playoffs, which get a little bit easier actually to bet. I love betting playoff basketball because I think the, you know, the lines are a lot sharper. You're starting to get, you know, some real good pictures of the teams, um, and where they're going to be at. So, uh, good luck, um, with your brackets and being able to judge the draft picks and all that stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you as always for listening, you know, um, and till the next time, Bye bye